everybody to episode 32 of the free advice podcast this episode is titled work that works for you and we are solidly in our 30s now so we yeah. have established this as a routine a work routine we're talk about work we we're gonna get figured serious. out the work part of our lives because we're in our 30s and yeah we fucked around a lot in our 20s yes. you can go back and listen to the tapes it's clear <laughs> we didn't know what the fuck we let's were doing. not even talk about our teens oh don't even talk to me about those terrible <laughs> hormonal years of just angst and repression mm-hmm. and uh, feeling out of place Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the 20s were a reaction to the teens, and the 30s are a reaction to the 20s. If you've made it this far, you understand that. Absolutely. What are our 40s going to be like, you think? A A reaction reaction to to the 30s. So what what will that mean? We're going to just let loose again? The pendulum will swing, and yeah, we'll be like, you know what? Okay. We did the work thing. We had mm-hmm. the babies. The babies are grown enough. It's time to start getting back into hobbies. And <laughs> the things that I did in my 20s, all the even decades will resemble mm-hmm. each other. And all the odd decades will be equally odd. I love it. That sounds like a great plan. I like that it's quantified. Being in my 30s now, I really appreciate that. You like the double meanings of evens and odds? I do. I yeah, sure I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's based off of a Shel Silverstein poem. Oh, really? Which one? I made that up. Okay. <laughs> well, it was a really compelling... You fucking dummy. Why would really you trust me? <laughs> I, well, what an idiot. You believed something I said? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That does make me an idiot. Ah. Um, that being said, please yeah. respect and take all of our advice very seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This part, what I do to Morgan is different from what I do to you. Because Morgan's Sometimes. bad <laughs> and you're good. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. She, uh, uh, just for context, Morgan's laughing. She likes it when I say things like this. I think, or at least she. Yeah, hasn't, I mean, sometimes not, but <laughs> for the most part, she seems it's good. To be I don't enjoying it right you. now. We have a rapport and a trust, <laughs> and this is like not something that I would say to a stranger or to you as you're asking questions. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, I'm trying to demonstrate familiarity and invite mm-hmm. you guys into an intimacy that Morgan and I have created. And a friendliness and like a playfulness that we've established. Hey, you, the listener, can get in on this with us. You, too, can call Morgan a dummy. (laughs) You belong here. And if you want to be featured on this podcast, what can you do? Uh, Email us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. What if your question is something that seems like it might be outside of the range of what we cover on this podcast? We don't care. There's no range. Fuck yeah. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been, when people ask me that, I've been telling mm-hmm. them, like, uh, we've answered questions recently on how to kill a bug that's under your bed, <laughs> how to stop your dad from being addicted to the news, mm-hmm. and when to say I love you. Yeah. So there's not, like... Between oh, those three, you could do anything. It, really, right? Like So much room. A lot of it ends up being about relationships and mm-hmm. sex and communication, because those are things that people regularly struggle with that we feel somewhat 100%. qualified to talk about. You know, we don't give people advice on, like, how to get their next medal in the military. Right, Because fucking, you know. But if someone has a question about how to fix race relations, then we are qualified to explain (laughs) that. (laughs) This bit where you talk about us like we are not too (laughs) white 20-somethings. Speak for yourself. Okay. 
my identity. Are you not a white 20-something? Oh, speak for yourself. Okay. I just think that that's I am a white 20-something. Regardless of, of whether you're technically correct or not, you know? <laughs> my identity is conditional. Uh-huh. And, you know, my bloodline, if you trace it far, far back enough, mm-hmm. my ancestors are from Africa, and I never forget that. Yeah, the first... Uh... And I love hip-hop. So those, there's yeah, so many yeah, great yeah, rappers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many great rappers. <laughs> that and and the list goes on. I just love black culture. Okay, I listen to a lot of hip hop, and I really yeah. admire the MCs that have furthered the genre, like Hammer, Eminem, Asher Roth, oh, okay. Vanilla Ice, uh, Mac Miller, <laughs> Macklemore, all of these guys that have like just you know I love black culture. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Action so, Bronson. How could I forget about Action Bronson? Sorry. Uh, Yellow no. Wolf. Oh, that's totally fine. All these, this just a visionary rainbow of uh, <laughs> artists that make me appreciate this genre. Yeah, a palette of eggshell, all eggshell. Um, okay. Now that I've proved my credentials, what I, I wanted to can... say though about that was uh, I was watching Project Runway a while yes. back, and the judges at one point responded to an outfit someone made with this distinction between what is cultural appropriation and what is cultural appreciation. Mm. And I thought that was a really interesting way to describe it because I think people are now confused to some extent. Again, speaking of the pendulum swinging very far, like for way too long, white people for the most part have not been sensitive enough to when we've appropriated other people's cultures to the extent where it is uh, harmful to the their cultural identity, right? And so now the pendulum is swinging back and everyone's trying to be like really sensitive to it to the point where um, we're not sure what is appropriation versus appreciation and where should that line be? I think that it has a lot to do, as a white person who often feels guilty about doing things that come from other cultures, Mm -hmm. And a kind of rejection or a confusion about what my culture even is. Yeah, what well, right. You know, right. am I just born to the dominant culture of America? And so, I don't know, is pop music my culture? And then if that's heavily influenced by black music, is my culture also black culture? I don't know. Um, is it meatloaf and <laughs> Green Bay Packers football games? Is that... When you say meatloaf, do you mean the food no, or the it, singer? The food. <laughs> The food. Okay. <laughs> let's let's squash that idea right before you even get to say it. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, he's an old white guy, so it would yes. fit. I've I've uh, wrestled with this a lot about mm-hmm. like, is me creating anything that's influenced by anything that's not white people some way of me just fucking it up and putting another mm-hmm. white face where there is one that where it doesn't belong? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can be a very stifling oppressive, critical, depressing attitude to approach everything with if you overapply that thinking. Especially when you're trying to be creative. Especially if you're trying to be creative. The thought of, oh, I don't belong or I don't have a right to have a voice because of the color of my skin. Not to make any comparisons, but like <laughs> that that type of thinking, isn't that what we're trying to overcome with um, trying to uh, make racial progress? That like the color of a skin's person. Sorry, the color of a person's <laughs> skin. So I am whatever a skin, and my person is being worn by the that color, skin. whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Isn't that yeah. what Martin Luther King said is that I have a dream that skins of all colored people can commingle and touch each other and feel their textures? He had a really creepy dream. Um, absolutely. <laughs> I imagine all like of our skins leaving our bodies and wrapping themselves up into yeah. a shawl. And then I wear the shawl and I have black skin and yellow skin and red skin and white skin. And it's all wrapped around my yes. skin. Yes. <laughs> and we are all skeletons. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. That creepy fucking dress rehearsal <laughs> that he did for his speech, <laughs> for his speech at the uh, Washington, the Washington Monument, right? Mm -hmm. at the observation pool. The yeah. Reflection pool. Um, 1863. I, I 1963. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get all sneaky with my years. And I wish it had happened 100 years ago. We would be probably, you know, a little further ahead than we are now. Yeah. But, um, Dude, I, if him I, and Lincoln could adapt it up and hugged it out, they would have been bros. Potentially. Has anyone done a fan fiction historical of king okay right after the obama and trump and the jail cell <laughs> thank you for remembering <laughs> so here's part of the series that you aspiring yeah. writers are going to write obama and trump both get impeached and arrested somehow yeah, obama, yeah. retroactively yeah. and they have to be cellmates mm -hmm. and they have this total odd couple dynamic next one is a buddy comedy about abraham lincoln mm -hmm. and martin luther king going around and correcting injustice and maybe they listen to different types of music and talk a little different and they have mm. to reconcile those cultural differences and be like well hey equality wasn't as easy as i thought wow um yeah that's great and maybe <laughs> there's you. a little bit of a an homage to inception where they do it through people's dreams mm. just as a reference to the dream thing um that's great not necessary but so i, I wanted I to say segue. something earlier no no i can't let you segue until okay. i finish this say point it. it's it. important to me because um what you said about, you know, why can't we all just sort of basically get along because we're all trying to freely express ourselves regardless of the color of our skin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't finish my thought. So go ahead. Oh, OK. Well, what I wanted to say to that was like, yes, but basically <clears throat> um, the problem with that as a white person saying that uh, is basically ignoring the fact that in order to be judged devoid of the oppressive labels that come with being a certain race, you have to like not be, you have to be white. Like it ignores the fact that for any minority or anyone who's been oppressed based or not received certain privileges based on the color of their skin, they're not starting from that same starting line. And by just saying, when white people say like, why can't we all just be not colored? It's basically them saying, why can't we all just be white? Why can't yeah. we all just subscribe to white norms? Okay. Um, and that's like, that's a that's just that blew my mind as open as far as like the why can't we all just be human kind of thing. Sure, it and is. so it's a point I really wanted to make. I, th I thought that way in high yeah. school, and then in college, I was exposed to this idea too of oh, yeah. that's a problem for someone to just say like why can't we just not notice race because that, as a white person, of course you have that privilege, yes. but as a person who's not white, exactly, it's that's not the way other people treat you. It's exactly. like oh, here is an Asian artist rapping. Look at this Asian rapper is what people would say, <laughs> whereas. It's a rapper and an Asian rapper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's a predominantly black form. Uh, so anybody mm. who's not black, but white people get a pass. And clearly the best-selling rapper of all time is white in that black form. Mm. So like that's another demonstration of the jokes I was making about how mm -hmm. there's so many great rappers and right. I named Eminem several yes, times. Yes, yes. It's like this yes. is a common white perspective of thinking that a black thing is just white people. Uh, the, the white people who have entered this culture and, right. uh, and may have done it well. And Eminem is well-respected within that community. Totally. The problem is not Eminem. The problem is the lack of representation of 50 Cent or of Lil Wayne or of whoever else is not being appreciated at the um, expense 
Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But so I wanted to circle back to then like given all of that dialogue, what is the, the, as a white person, how can you Mm. be, be a cultural appreciator versus a cultural appropriator? Where's that line? Yeah. Um, you've heard of the fence, um, equanimity, equality, uh, metaphor. No, there's a (laughs) a very pithy title though. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I'm good at that. Um, there's a show happening on the other side of a fence. Mm-hmm. Some people are tall. Some people are short. Some people have uh, step stools. Do you give everybody a step stool so that they can all see over this fence? Or do you mm-hmm. give shorter people a bigger step stool and the tall people can just stand and watch it? Okay. Or do you try and lower the fence? Mm. These are like the solutions to that problem. Mm. And things like um, handout programs or um, uh, affirmative action they're all ways of they're different solutions to this metaphor yeah you understand right so um i think in this case what i he- what i feel is happening as a white person who dabbles in black things or is passionate yeah. about black yeah. forms that um some people who i think overuse the term cultural appropriation as like a vilifying attack on me mm-hmm. or, or, this is all in my head honestly this never happens in my real life except for everything's all in your head so. yes but what i see it happening to other people then mm-hmm. let's say um mm-hmm. who i identify with my yeah, like white sure. surrogates who are more successful than me in rap or something <laughs> when people are like yeah. they're culturally appropriating people said this about mac miller a lot right right um and then eventually he won respect especially after he died um mm, that's interesting yeah let's save it for another one yeah um but I think uh, those people are trying to make tall people crouch or remove mm. steps. Like, it's not even that white people are taller. It's more that they have been given. <laughs> They're definitely not. Um, <laughs> to think that their average height is shorter. Uh, they actually are. Uh, really? Well, let's not get into the eugenics of this. Okay. Um, maybe the tallest people in the world are from Africa. That's where the greatest genetic diversity comes from. But Scandinavians are traditionally very tall people. That's true. And nourishment and, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. like those, if you have access to more income, you're, you generally reproduce taller. So anyway, um, Sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I get like that. Instead of lifting the short people. Um, White people are already on a ladder and Mm -hmm. on a a Mm -hmm. step stool and the fence is pretty low to them. So it's like, hey, why can't we all just ignore this fence that I don't really see? Right. And then uh, people who don't have those step stools and not all black people, but some uh, disproportionately large number of other minority, other other races, not other minorities, um, are like, hey, can't you give us one of your fucking step stools and are like, Take that yeah, step yeah, stool yeah. out from that white yeah. person. Like, if you're going to say, wow, what an amazing performance by an Asian actor in a lead role, then why not say, wow, what an amazing performance by a white actor in a lead role? So you can, like, knock white people down a peg, or you can lift everybody else up so that it no longer right. becomes an issue. My, of course, preferred solution to this would be to not be knocked down, but to lift up everybody else so that mm-hmm. it's as normal for an Asian, a Latino, or a, um, a black man to be doing something that yeah. I'm doing. And yeah. I think gender is another issue that mm-hmm. has similar themes, but mm-hmm. has more of a observable mm-hmm. difference between like, there's a best actor category and a best actress category at the Oscars, but there's not a best white actor and a best male actor. And that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to start, you know, um, yeah. gender is more of a objective observable thing and less of an arbitrary line. It's still a little arbitrary, but it's more objective mm-hmm. than something mm-hmm. like race, which is like, there's a lot of people who are mixed race and race really is a social construct. Whereas sex is something that you could teach an alien pretty easily. Like that's what is female. That's what's male. 
Mm, that's really interesting and yeah could lift off in a million different directions to unpack that but yeah we shouldn't we can cut this whole part of this conversation (laughs) because today's episode everybody (laughs) we've done such a good job of staying on theme so far have i cut you off about anything that you wanted to say no 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 i'm good i'm good I'm um, cutting myself off because I know there are a million directions I could go in. Great. And it's all important and yeah. it's all juicy. But if you have thoughts about this um, terribly unwoke, uh, pro- politically regressive <laughs> conversation that we just had, please definitely send them. let us know. Please, for sure. please, please, please send us your hate mail and death threats. Yes. At free advice podcast. I would love to die for this. <laughs> Honestly, there, <laughs> this let's hill. just say it. There are too many white people and there are too many women. So kill Morgan. <laughs> don't kill me. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Um, today's episode, everybody, is about work. Mm-hmm. Ugh. The grind, why as they would say. We, why even bring it up? Ugh. Yeah, couldn't. Can't you just leave work at work? Oh my and god! Let this podcast be your escape. Yeah, because you know? you're probably on your way to work, or on your yeah. way back from work, or putting off work, mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to this. Nope, Fucking, we're diving right we're in. We're gonna talk about that. Really, we're gonna do that to you? Yeah, we are. Hey, trust it's us. Help you. I've trust listened us. to this episode, and if you listen all the way through, <laughs> you'll find, like I did, that it was worth it. And you'll stop immediately wondering how could Rob have possibly listened to it before they recorded it. Stay tuned to find out. Listen, I come from a long line of seers. <laughs> Who in my bloodline? I'm I am capable of doing some intensely quick mental calculations that allow me to predict with extreme accuracy the future. And I've listened to this episode, and it's really good. So just trust me. The future's bright. The future's Future's bright. Future's super lit. (laughs) All right, right, let's get into it. First question, and um, let's just call this the enlightened round today instead of the lightning round. What do you think about that? We could change it overall to the enlightening round. Let's not make any long-term decisions okay. right now. I'm, no, because someone I'm, just, we you, we got divorced. We <laughs> big up, upheavals in our lives, so we shouldn't make any big rash decisions like that's changing the name of an arbitrary segment that yes. we do. Um, can you fill time for a second? Absolutely. This is me filling time. It's the only way I was taught to fill time is just to sing until Rob's figured it out. We should cut this part anyway. I don't know why I'm doing this. All right. Here's what happened. Great. I screenshotted this question from Reddit. It's Mm -hmm. only the first page and there's actually more than that. Mm hmm. But I think we're going to get enough of it on the first page. That, well, let's just read that. And let's if you care it. enough, you can click the link in the episode description to hear this guy's full question. Fuck yeah. All right. A Wind Apart asks, how can anyone be happy to be alive when they have to work a standard full-time job? <clears throat> work begins at 6 a.m., ends at 3 p.m. if there's no overtime. That's nine hours but just eight hours paid. I have to wake up at 4 a.m., eat breakfast, brush teeth. I don't take a shower, or else I'd have to wake up even earlier. I leave my home at 5 a.m. because with a bus, that's the time it takes. Mm -hmm. It takes at least an hour to go back home home because I will need to wait a bit on the bus. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm home 4.15 p.m., even though it's sometimes a bit later than that. If I want eight hours of sleep, which is what is necessary to live a healthy lifestyle, which doesn't wear out your heart and increase your risk of having heart attacks, then I need to be asleep at 8 p.m. But it's not like I fall asleep immediately, so either I have to satisfy myself with seven hours of sleep if I go to bed at 8 Mm p.m., or else I have to go to bed at 7.30 p.m. Let's say I go to bed at 8 p.m. 
uh, we can assume that the calculations continue on the next page. <laughs> Safely. <laughs> please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, this guy has thought it out. To repeat we, the we question, how can anyone be happy yeah. to be alive yeah. when they have to work a standard full-time job? What are you hearing in this question? I'm hearing a lot of exasperation. I mean, some of that is your reading of it, but you can, you. Re- you, can, you can hear it in the words. Thank you. Um, this person has clearly put a lot of thought and energy into this calculation and laying out the timeline to break down the fact that, yeah, the reality of this is that work takes up a lot of time and that doesn't even include just getting to and from work and then unwinding from work or getting ready for work and getting clean and doing all the things you have to do just to uh, maintain, Mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, this, this steady, I would go to work, I come home, I go to work, I come home lifestyle. So he's really pointing out that there's very little flexibility. There's very little room outside of his regular work schedule to do anything that actually makes him feel fulfilled, worthwhile, happy. Yeah, it feels like there's yeah. no life in there. Yeah. That the life part of life has been condensed into a little hour window mm-hmm. each day, or I don't know what they yeah. end up calculating. Maybe they find yeah. out that there's no time, mm-hmm. but that it's an unacceptably small window a right. room where the person gets to feel free in themselves is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think those are two really important points of like not just freedom, but feeling like yourself. Isn't that freedom? I mean, I think to some people Isn't that's that the what definition. You do with freedom, at least, if maybe. in an ideal world, if you maybe. had freedom, you'd use it to be yourself. What are? I mean, I think that's actually a really interesting thing for us to unpack in the pursuit of answering this question, which mm-hmm. is, what do we want to be free to do? What do why we, work? Why? What is what does work provide you with? What's the point of it? Okay, so I think most people would say the point of it is to make money so that you can amass enough wealth to live the life that you want to live in a yeah. capitalist society where that's money how allows it for freedom. Right, right. But then we often trade so much freedom to get a, an amount of money that allows us to live within a certain bracket yes. of, you know, my life is nice enough. It, it matches what my friends are doing. It, yes. it, it aligns with what I see on TV or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get all these like messages that are sometimes thrown at us, but sometimes just sitting around our life all the time about yes. like what our lives should look like and what are the standards that we have to meet. It's the sort of keeping up with the Joneses like mentality of, Oh, well, I used to be happy making this amount of money, but now so-and-so has this job and they got this car who is and now freer. I'm less than who is freer. The person who just bought their Tesla mm-hmm. and has a, the best car of anyone on their street and uh, is very happy to mm-hmm. explain that to the neighbors when they're ogling mm-hmm. or the man on the corner um, by the Ralphs who lives in a tent. Yeah. There is no good answer to that. Mm-hmm. All freedom is relative. Right. And you have to choose what, what type is freedom? of freedom is most important to you. There's no absolute yeah. freedom. So what do we think for this person mm-hmm. freedom is? Free time? It sounds like what they're lacking the most or the problem that they're dealing with, they're asking about, mm-hmm. is time, uh, temporal freedom. Mm-hmm. And ha- and missing. doing something with that amount of time that is enough to, to fulfill that other quadrant of the pie, which is life satisfaction. Yes. It sounds like all of the things riding to work, being at work, those things are not satisfying Mm -hmm. to this individual. Mm -hmm. 
So I think the solution, like many, has an inside out and an outside mm -hmm. in approach. Mm -hmm. The Used best in combination, I would say. Yes. Almost always you want yeah. to compromise these two things unless mm -hmm. it's like just a horrible situation that you really want right. to just do a, one or the other. Yeah. So yeah. in this case, um, the outside in approach, I'm just using these terms now sure. for the first time, so please yeah. bear with me. Um would be to reduce the amount of time that you're at work, mm -hmm. either by living closer to work so the commute takes less time, finding another job or asking for reduced hours, um, maybe with an increase in pay so that you can make the same amount of money, um, finding some way to spend less time at work so that your window of you time gets bigger. Do you have any ideas for what they could do to make that approach work? Well, obviously, we don't know the specific circumstance no, of this person, I what didn't they read do, the what's question. their mobility, uh, flexibility, all that stuff. How much money are they making? How much money do they need to make to live the lifestyle that they want? Um, but speaking generally in terms of like a laundry list of solutions that many people could do that are facing this problem, wanting to reduce the time spent at work. Yeah. <clears throat> Shortening the commute is a huge one. Um, it, it makes the entire day feel like just a drum roll in and out of work if it's long. Yes. Um, but not everyone is in a situation where they can move and live closer to where they work because they're often commuting in from somewhere where it's cheaper to live yeah. to get there. And so then sure. again, that's a trade-off. Yeah. There are all these trade-offs where at the end of the day, so many times it feels like there's just not enough coming back to me. Mm -hmm. And I also want to validate that too, that it's not just this simple equation like he laid it out i mean he did all the math and it's like still not simple he's still not happy he hasn't solved this problem it's a difficult problem and i think it's i i think while there are things that you can do on an individual level that you know we've, we started to touch on and we'll get more into but while there are things that are an individual can do to um rebalance their life so that they're spending less of their time and effort and energy and all of their limited resources yes. on being at work physically um I think it's a systematic issue with the way that we with live our, in a capitalist society. society in America yes. in particular. And values and yes. 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 So I agree. And, and that's uh, a huge fucking shame. I'm very privileged. I have been caught in that mindset before of I, I'm on the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. And if I get off, then I don't have enough money to move and be on the hamster wheel again. So I have mm -hmm. to stay on the hamster wheel and mm -hmm. I'm stuck in a fearful place. Mm -hmm. But I've also had many opportunities given to me, which most people don't, mm -hmm. that have allowed me to be off the hamster wheel for certain times. So I'm happy yeah. that I'm reporting yeah. from both sides of this. If that yeah. causes you to devalue my perspective, that's fine. And that is, uh, I accept that you may not want to hear advice from a 28 year old who has had sections of his life paid for by other people. Mm -hmm. I'm not uh, purporting to be anything other than that. Um, well said. Thank you. And I share, you know, some of my stories very similar to that, the aunt on and off and having yes. the ability but to choose. There have been times when I've either been challenged or challenged myself to be independent and I've felt this, mm -hmm. fuck, uh, this is a hamster wheel that I'm stuck on and it seems like the whole system is trapping my, it's it's controlling my entire life. Mm -hmm. And if I want to play this game and try and get ahead, mm -hmm. I have to sacrifice everything that I care about and mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. to be a part of the, cl climbing the ladder, whatever yeah. that ladder looks like yeah. for you. I think though the thing that, is valuable about the perspectives that we have mm -hmm. is that we can see that even when there isn't that hamster wheel, mm -hmm. 
there are still problems from every perspective. Oh, yeah. It doesn't like, solve it. It doesn't solve it. You and will I, always yeah. have problems. I think that like pain is pain is what um, pain is a universal constant. And the way to live your best life is to align your pain with your chosen values. If you feel like you are suffering for things that matter to you and you can choose what pain you have, that is the best thing you can ask for. But if you ask mm -hmm. to eliminate pain, you always be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what I was going to piggyback on that with was like, there's so many things in my life that I feel or areas where I feel so fortunate. Um, and yet I've still spent so much of my time also being unhappy and feeling mm -hmm. like a prisoner just within my own mind. But in order to be able to report back from that sort of privileged vantage point that like any problem can be a problem that completely compromises your physical mental health um and so i guess what i want to report back is like i think that no matter what your circumstances are the best thing that you can do is to find the ways to make the best of them so that come that's yes. the sort of inside out to approach. make things one percent better for yourself is a huge world of difference from accepting things as they yes. are and being a victim of your circumstance whatever it is and then when things are that increment better and you have that slightly higher vantage point where you're hovering a little bit mm -hmm. higher above the day in and day out stress and grind and unhappiness, then you can think about more substantial moves in terms of outside in. Yes. Um, the, but it has to start somewhere that that seed of faith or that seed of a little opportunity or a little, um, you know, maybe it's a financial yeah. thing that comes your way um, or maybe it's just like someone casually mentioned something, a job opportunity, and you look into it, whatever, whatever. Like, yes, that can sometimes be an impetus to get you just to that next higher level where you can look around and analyze like, actually, now that I can see from up here, I identify that this could be better and I could actually mm -hmm. take the big leap of faith that's required to make that next step. You're touching on an important truth that I think many people overlook when yeah. they, people assume that position is what uh, dictates life happiness, mm -hmm. but position is not the important thing. It's mm -hmm. the direction of movement from mm -hmm. a position that mean, makes a person happy or not. Yeah. And this is why there are a lot of people who are born on top, who are very unsatisfied. To have yeah. a very successful father is a curse. And most yeah. people d would uh, scoff at that statement mm -hmm. if you resent the 1% or the mm -hmm. Donald Trumps of the world. Mm -hmm. um, to have a father that was extremely successful can feel like you are always doing worse than where you yeah. just were. And yeah. so even though you may have a very high position in society and people see that position, your slight downward movement from your perspective mm -hmm. will mean that you are unsatisfied with yourself yes it would be much better to be the man living in the tent on the corner and to get yourself a new lantern than to be the man who just got the tesla and his tire popped or whatever issue with the tesla even though it's of course we would from an objective outside point of view pick the <laughs> tesla you can sleep in that better than the tent you know and play video games on it i'm sure or whatever yeah. um but it's about the movement and the direction of the movement in a person's life that is what determines satisfaction at any moment and your outlook yeah. It. Like if you are in a total like prisoner state of mind where like it doesn't matter even if your physical circumstances, you have freedom of movement. If your outlook and your perspective looks like your head is inside of a cage, 
that's how you're going to see everything. You're going to see everything through those bars. Yes. And you're always going to be like, it would be better if I didn't have this blocking my view or this keeping me trapped. Learned helplessness. And yes. And no matter where you are in life, there are going to be pain points, like we said, and mm -hmm. obstacles. And yes, some of them, the, the fucking shitty reality is that some of them are much more difficult to deal with than others. Yes. But there's always going to be someone with a nicer car. Or there's always and there's always going to be someone with a shittier car yeah. than you, or no car, or no foot. Yep, no legs. And so dead. sometimes <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes I watch hoarders when my life feels completely like out of control, mm -hmm. and I feel overwhelmed by everything going on. And it just reminds me that my outlook is my outlook, mm. and not everyone has that luxury, of course. Um, but I think that reminding yourself like pulling your head out a little bit from what are my circumstances and what's what are people around me dealing with and how can I learn from that how can I if I identify that someone has something that I uh, envy that can be a powerful motivator to be like okay I, I identify something that I think might make me happy even if it's you know something maybe that seems superficial yeah. gives you something to work towards yeah um or you know i identify that someone's less fortunate than me and that compels me to act to help them and then that's a huge um positive motivator and can start yes. getting momentum in a good direction isn't that funny how any good yeah. or bad thing that happens to another person can be an extremely good or bad thing for us to experience as an observer totally <laughs> it's, it's wild it's, it is it's, you'd it's think completely that, wild and you're likely to fall into a pattern based on your outlook of the how does this suck or how is this great? Mm -hmm. And whichever lens you're using, you're probably well yes. worn into that lens and it can be really hard to switch from one lens to the other. Yeah. And you and I, I know, I can say with confidence, would both advocate for the how how is this great lens. Yeah. Because every situation is ambiguous and you can find uh, something to be very upset about or something to be very celebratory for mm -hmm. in just about everything that happens. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like the ability, the ability to make that choice mm -hmm. and giving yourself the power to be like, this is in my hands is so important. However, the disclaimer to that, because I've tried to do this fruitlessly many, many, many mm -hmm. times for years, um, has been like, why can't I just think more positively? And ah. And sometimes I shortchange my pain because I'm I'm not allowing it to be legitimate. I'm mm -hmm. pushing right on to, okay, what's the silver lining? What's the lesson? What could I be grateful for? And and in doing that, aligning with this voice in my head that's always trying to tell me that my pain isn't valid. Yes. And so there's kind of a dual dance that you do. So for this person, it's like, I think it's important to say like, yeah, that shit fucking sucks. That's important. And then once you yes. stay in that dark place long enough to feel like, I'm valid in this and yeah, my circumstances are shitty. Then you will kind of naturally shift into a position if you let yourself go through it um, to, okay, now that I've acknowledged that and I've acknowledged that, you know, it's not my fault. I didn't, I didn't necessarily create every circumstance that came my way, but now I can actively create a different circumstance mm -hmm. now that I have this awareness and now that I've moved past the pain of it. So what can I do that's small and incremental and will move the needle towards the goal I have, which in this person's case is to be happier and to maximize the time he does have. 
You've made me think of an even more important or broader Fuck rule. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake most people make in trying to love themselves mm-hmm. is starting by telling themselves that they love themselves. That is not the first step. The first step yeah. is acknowledging that you do not love yourself mm-hmm. and accepting that. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging that mm-hmm. I hate myself. I hate my life. I wish I was dead. Whatever it is, yeah. that is the first step. Just accepting wherever you are right now. Mm-hmm. Trying to start someplace that you are not is a denial of yourself and another act of self-aggression. And it's saying that I'm only lovable once I've changed this thing once about I, me am happy and once I am self-loving no Mm -hmm. wherever you are admit that with honesty if you are Hitler if you are the worst (laughs) if you're a Hitler and you're a pedophile and wouldn't even know it if you are the worst person in the world (laughs) the thing to do is to accept that you are there right now and then the next thing to do is to accept that you do not have to be there always Mm -hmm. that things change your status is temporary. All of this mm-hmm. is impermanent. Mm-hmm. That is how you start walking towards sainthood or whatever your your goal of a better life is mm-hmm. in virtue. It is by admitting and accepting your flaw and not by denying it. And unfortunately, right. so much self-help and so many movies and so many of these guides for people are just start being positive. Just start visualizing positive things. And mm-hmm. that just reinforces the idea that you're doing something wrong and you're mm-hmm. then further engaged in the resistance of where you actually are. Yeah. Jordan Peterson says most people's prime mistake is failing to set the bar low enough. Yeah. Yeah. So how can we help this person yes. to shift, make those small micro adjustments. Yes. So we're still on the outside in portion of this answer and I would like to wrap it up quickly. Yeah. Um, to help reduce the amount of time that you spend at work suffering, I would recommend reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. That book is largely about how to outsource, how to negotiate, and how to first reclaim your Fridays for yourself and work a 4-day work week and demonstrate that mm-hmm. you can actually do more in a 4-week four-day mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. Um, to your employer. Um, that's a good book. And the other even smaller step is when you wake up in the morning, set your alarm for one minute earlier on the first day and take one minute of just focusing on your breath. One minute of not doing anything because you have to for somebody else, but start with a, a single minute of sitting and paying attention to your breath and letting yourself be and not have to think about anything else. or do. Even if breath is too threatening, just let yourself be mm-hmm. and carve out that time. That minute is going to expand to the rest of your life. But you need to start the day with even a moment. It could be a single breath. Whatever is the least threatening thing. Maybe you're thinking, I don't have a half hour to meditate in the morning. I don't have 10 minutes. I don't mm-hmm. have five minutes to meditate. Mm-hmm. Take one breath and make this a ritual that you do every single day. Whatever mm-hmm. is the thing that you can do, even on your busiest day, make this a ritual of I'm going to start by taking care of doing something or just being something for me and not for anything else because it sounds like right now you're caught up in other people's schemes. So if you let this one little um, one little rebellious move, this one little uh, thing that you're doing to buck that trend, it will grow and you will start to find other moments where you can claim things back for yourself. Yeah. The addendum I would put on that is that you decide what to you means happy, what to you means freedom, and build that in. And take sneak little moments of it during the day, randomly, mm-hmm. like once an hour. Take one minute out of 60 minutes of every hour and do whatever that thing that makes you feel free is. Look at a meme and laugh. Take a breath. Yes. You know, 
uh, go to the bathroom, drink a lot of water because yeah, then you can because yeah. then you can get up, fill your <laughs> thing, pee all the time, and you're, your you you spend so much time like walking back and forth, <laughs> yeah. and it's a lovely little journey. And whatever you and your bring, dick gets bigger if you just drank a lot of water. Totally, I can't speak to that at all, but sure. The excess from the bladder stores itself in the dick, and you really? get like an elephant trunk situation. Wow! And then you can use your moment of freedom to acknowledge how great it is that yes. your dick has been enlarged so temporarily. So you're speaking to the other, the inside-out approach, I believe. Mm-hmm. We covered the outside-in pretty well. The inside-out approach to solving this problem is make your work and your commute less suffering. Make it more like the life that you want to live. If you are stuck in this situation or you feel that you are trapped. Mm-hmm. at least decorate your cell in a way that it feels like home. So figure out for you what mm-hmm. that means. Is it making a little better lunches? Is it maybe making uh, relationships with coworkers that are satisfying for you? A lot of other people feel trapped too. Yeah. And you might find that the way that you're suffering is pretty relatable to someone yes. who's in a similar situation. Maybe you don't actually work physically in the same place with people, but there are other people that do your job and maybe you have to interact with people online or somehow... Maybe try to connect with those people a little mm-hmm. bit more about your pain in a way that is professionally acceptable. Mm-hmm. And, Create a community. Yeah, and shared struggle is a great way to bond with people. And when you're bonding with people, work might not feel so much like punishment. And if you do form a strong community that all feels this way and you have relatively reasonable demands, that's something that you can then take the next level up and talk to your supervisor about, depending on the mm-hmm. relationship, the structure, all that stuff. We don't know anything about your job situation. Yes. But for some people, that might be a viable path um, to making improvements. And they could be tiny improvements, like like Rob said, I mean, mm-hmm. like decorating something differently. Just thinking about the puzzle that is your life and you know, you've done it for scheduling out and blocking out your time, but it's like, okay, so what are the blo- the little moments of time or the environments that I spend my time in where I could just up-level them ever so slightly to yes. make it a little more joyful? Right? Put a fucking plant in your thing, yes. you know? like You are good <laughs> bring at, the outside at determining the your in. schedule and when yeah. things need to happen. Mm-hmm. Identify one of those hours or one of those minutes that you have in this list and figure mm-hmm. and, and scheme on a way that you could make that minute or hour a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. Make it a game. I guarantee you'll smile. Yeah. Maybe not right away, but yeah. once you're doing it, you'll be like, oh, I did that. And then you will start yeah. to see other opportunities to do that in other ways. And this yeah. change will spread and expand and you will start to find yourself in a year, so some years from now, living a life that you really want to leave. Maybe yeah. it'll even be faster than yeah. that. But, you know, you have to persist and build with the small steps mm-hmm. because otherwise, if you talk yourself out of building the small steps in a year, you, you've you built nothing. Yes. Um, then the, people often say, oh, that's not even big enough to worth doing. Exactly. Doing. Remember, exactly. it is not position. It is direction that determines your happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Fuck yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Um, oh, thank you very much for that question. It, yeah, uh, that was great. Really got me all worked up. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel like I have so many more things I could say I about it, but well, yeah. The beauty of this podcast is we'll probably be asked some similar shit at some point. <laughs> of so many more times, and we'll be able to build point. on that. Um, we're kind of like building our own little uh, set of f- philosophy. Uh, yeah, a communal philosophy. You the and free me. advice way of life. Yeah, where we're in conversation and determining. We're laying out rules and, mm-hmm. and establishing principles that maybe yeah. inform all of these yeah. things. I like it. And I think we're some of better. some of what's cool is like some of it is things we're coming into the podcast with where it's like, oh, I've had this experience. And so now I live my life this way. And some yeah. of it we kind of figure out through the dialogue. Sure. Exactly. You get to watch us evolve, too. Mm-hmm. We've 
maybe been wrong in one of the early episodes. <laughs> it's possible that we've been wrong many times. Yeah. We are probably currently wrong about <clears throat> things we don't even know about. Okay, here's one from a listener. Okay. Um, the subject was advice. Mm-hmm. There's this guy at my work who is extremely annoying. Mm. He's not creepy or rude or inappropriate. He's just so, so annoying. Mm -hmm. Always talking to me. Incessant chatter. Even when I give him every signal that I do not want to talk. In fact, it seems like the more I try to avoid him, the more he is around me. Mm. What should I do? Should I tell him he's annoying? Sincerely. Plumpkins Evergreen. All right, Plumpkins. This is a good question. Thank you for writing us. Yes. Um, I have always been someone who works much better in a solo environment. I like to have my time that's for work. I like to do my work. I like to, you know, get the fuck out and not yeah. mix shit. And this would annoy the crap out of me if someone was like continuously preventing me from doing that in a way that's not interesting, not engaging, not worthwhile to me. Um, and then just frustrates me and distracts me from what I'm trying to do. So I yeah. really resonate with what you're saying. That's where I, that's my starting point. Great. I, um, I'm hearing somebody who sounds like enjoys their work more than a wind apart does and has mm -hmm. this as a exception to the mm -hmm. expectation that most people are not going to be super annoying at work. So they probably have plumpkins probably has like decent interactions with other coworkers, mm -hmm. and then there's this person who's like Fuck. so congratulations on being at the point where you are of uh you know having some decent sense of belonging or satisfaction with work where this is the worst thing or the thing that requires your attention most right now mm -hmm. in your opinion mm -hmm. and then i'll reiterate the thing i said about that does not at all invalidate your uh complaint as that would be um, acting as if position is more important than direction. And as I just <laughs> said, it's not. So here's this person who's pointing your direction yeah. downward throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a bummer. So valid yeah. issue that you're dealing with. And this is something that I've struggled a lot with of how do you handle criticism when you're responsible for other people's feelings? How do you mm. communicate criticizing them? Because if they get mad or upset, mm -hmm. then everyone's going to agree that you're a dick, you're an asshole, mm -hmm. you're a, mm -hmm. a stinky little poop, whatever they say. Yeah. They'll probably demonize male sexuality while they do it. <laughs> and you're just going to be the the outcast or the, the villain in this situation. And everyone likes to think of themselves as a good person. So how are you going to deal with that? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I think that at this point, probably uh, what was it, Plumpkins? Yeah, plumpkins, plumpkins evergreen. Plumpkins evergreen. Hopefully, what? Don't look yeah, at me like just, that. I mean, it's just you forgot. It's just plumpkins not, evergreen. you know. It's just not Sarah. So I just needed a little refresher, you know. It's basically Sarah. Um, <laughs> so I think at this point, they have to uh, decide that they're prioritizing being able to be focused and not have this person in their radar over what might this person say about me and how might this tarnish my reputation with the other people at work. Um, and I think that there is a way to deliver maybe a sort of slightly white lie-ish version of this information to this person. Because I don't think you come out and say, you're really annoying me. I need to not talk to you ever again. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is a way to say, I'm really focused and I prefer this environment to be like undisrupted. And I really need to focus on my work right now. 
um, I mean, that sort of circumvents the problem, which is that it's the person and not the fact that it's a distraction because this person is also going to see you continue to let other distractions in. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a semi polite way of saying I'm not welcoming this, this particular distraction into my work life. There is. And I am confident that I have the answer. Fuck yeah. Cause I don't the, the path to the answer for you. <laughs> so this to me is a question of how do I manage and communicate boundaries mm-hmm. with other people? Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in that topic, and I think it's a very important topic and a great thing to be interested in, I recommend the book boundaries where you end and I begin by Anne Catherine. It's Catherine with a K. You can find it on Amazon for about $10. It's a short 100-page-ish book, and the chapters are short and interesting. If you don't want to read a fucking book and want me to jam that suggestion up my ass, (laughs) I will explain what I think you should do. Um, You asked the question, what should I do? Should I tell him he's annoying? Um, Yes, in the most loving way possible. Yeah. So I think that the right way to do this is to always speak your truth and... Um, be committed to the content of your message being your internal truth and owning Mm -hmm. that and taking responsibility for that and feeling as if you are responsible for being truthful to others. This is the antithesis to the white lie suggestion that I made. Well, here's where I think I don't like the word white lie, but the the part of it that I'm Mm going to say that addresses that is the content is is very important that it is your truth. The presentation of the content Mm -hmm is what you should um, consider the listener for. And the way to do that is to make sure that you are in the most balanced, whole, complete, um, even place. Yeah, so not delivering it when you're super annoyed by this person. (laughs) Coming to a place of love and wholeness and balanced, whatever you have to do to do that, that may be hard exercise, that may be complaining to a friend about this fucking annoying person at work, it may be... um, Maybe you use drugs to help you uh, deal with these things. You know, whatever your process is to come to a... (laughs) Do some drugs and then tell him he's annoying. You know, some people get (laughs) mad at people and then smoke weed and chill out or whatever. I don't know what Plumpkins does. Yeah. Um, I'm not advocating that. If if you know yourself and you can probably tell the difference between being in a balanced, peaceful place and being in an unbalanced... um, "Ah, I need this thing right now, like a place of craving and Mm -hmm. a place of... Yeah, I call that unbalanced. Um... Get yourself to the balanced place and then craft the presentation of the true content. Mm-hmm. For me, I think that that would look something like this. I feel frustrated at work when you come by and have conversations with me when I feel that there is um, a task that I need to be completing. And I appreciate your desire to interact with me and... I'm grateful for your interest in me, and I would like to start asking you um, to ask me if now is a good time to have the conversations that I do or do not enjoy, depending upon uh, what else I feel obligated to at the moment. Would that be okay for you? I I think 80% of what you just said was great. I think it got too complicated at the end. Because then she's setting herself up. Is this a female? Let's assume. 
um, setting herself up for um, having to set this boundary. To every clarify, single time. I, I do know that this is a female. I'm not saying because of the content of the message, <laughs> just in case we get someone questioning that. Um, but I, I think that there. Sorry, is, I missed what you said. Oh, no, oh, it's okay. Um, I think that in this case, she's not wanting to say, "Ask me if it's okay," because the answer to her probably is going to be no every time because she doesn't want to ever deal with this person's content. Okay. So I think instead of in this particular case, like I think in general, in other circumstances, that approach is great. Um, but I would, I would ask her to kind of brainstorm something that's a bit of a firmer no, maybe because yeah, okay. that's what she I wants give to him say. Every signal that I don't want to talk. Yeah. I don't want to question our, uh, the, the listener that's been, I'm so grateful for, um, mm -hmm. submitting this question, but I do question, have you given him every signal? Mm -hmm. Have you tried the signal of, I don't want to talk to you? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and that's why you're asking us, should I say that to him? Yeah. Um, I know. Sometimes we wish we could convey everything we need in yeah. these like nonverbals that are subtle and people just get it and they don't. Right. And I think you may have more experience with that than I do. So sure. if you as have any learnings, <laughs> I'm not saying as a woman, just yeah, knowing you as an individual and yeah. me as an individual, it's just an assessment that I've made. Um, it may be linked to gender. I don't need to get into that now if you yeah. don't want to. But Yeah. Well, I think obviously there's a pattern there. Um, but yeah, I wonder if it would feel okay for you to kind of start down the path that Rob was setting forth, which is I feel frustrated when I'm trying to get something to done and you come up and yeah. try to talk to I me. I want to say there's an important difference between that and what you've asked us if you should say of, should I tell him he's annoying? No, Focus on you your shouldn't feeling. say that he's annoying. <laughs> you should say, I feel annoyed when uh -huh. this happens. Yeah. The, that's a, the most nonviolent and the easiest thing for him to hear is, oh, I'm not annoying. Just Plumpkins is annoyed this is Plumpkin's issue that they are coming mm -hmm. to me with. It is mm -hmm. not an attack on who I am at mm -hmm. all times with all people. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to argue with somebody who's telling you their own feeling. Whereas he can argue, I'm not annoying. He can get defensive about mm -hmm. that. He can't mm -hmm. argue or he's less likely to argue, <laughs> you're not annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because right. you have right. that uh, primary source on that. You kind of are the authority on what your feelings are. Yeah. So I think it's up to you to decide what the ask or the boundary is then. Yeah. Is it that you don't want him to approach you while you're at your desk? Is it that you want him to write you an email instead? Is it that you would prefer that he limits his communication to you during mm -hmm. the day? It depends on the result that you want. So start with, like Rob was saying, forget right now about how do we deliver this the most polite way ever because some some of the expressions you'll need to be honest with yourself are going to get lost in that drafting process. So yes. figure out what the content is for you. What do you want? Do you want to never have to talk to this person again? Is that feasible? What are your roles? You know, what really do you want the end result to be? And then you can yeah. kind of work back the crafting, molding the presentation to fit what you actually want the result to be. Yeah. And it, maybe the result is I want him to not talk to me yeah. ever unless he absolutely has to for a work-related thing, in which case, of course, make an exception. Mm -hmm. And that's a fine thing to want. Yeah. And it may seem strange at first if, it's, if it challenges your concept as like a person who's agreeable and nice to people. Yeah. And you may find, it oh. It gives your time to everyone. Here's, here's the greater truth yeah. that you may stumble upon. Everything that bothers you is another opportunity for growth. This mm -hmm. could be the signpost that points you to a way that, oh, I've been challenged by this by this type of thing by people many times in my mm. life. Oh, maybe I need a new strategy. Maybe I need to change my idea of who I am 
so that I can allow myself to protect myself from these mm-hmm. uh, these types of conversations that keep coming up that are fucking yeah. annoying. Yeah, and, and it, yeah. that's what the book Boundaries would get into if you mm-hmm. do decide to read that. It is a tremendous catalyst for growth and becoming a person who more easily deals with these things that seem to pop up in my life all the time. And I want to also just make a quick connection back to the question we answered before of like getting really honest with yourself about what feels good and what bothers you, uh, you know, in your body during the workday that can contribute to either you kind of at the end of the day feeling good about yourself or at the end of the day feeling totally drained is getting really intentional about how you spend each of these moments. And if letting the annoying guy at work talk your ear off all day um, or even a little bit is sacrificing just some of that energy then that's energy that you could, if you set the boundary in the right way, keep within yourself. Yes. And have at the end of the day. It is the most loving thing that you can do for the world, other people, and yourself to be fiercely uh, protective of your attention and to align your attention with the things that you value. And you are totally justified in telling another person I do not, I, or I would like to not pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah. Is, because yeah. when you are aligning your attention with the things that you truly value, you will be a better contributor to those causes, those people, those things, whatever you're passionate about. And if everyone can do that and align themselves and put themselves into the mode where 100% of their attention is going to things that they care about and 0% is going to the things that they don't care about, the obstacles, people will be much happier. They will get along better. And that is, I think, how world peace happens. This is the argument for loving yourself, protecting yourself, and defending who you are, knowing yourself, accepting yourself, and loving yourself is how world peace happens. So you've asked a very profound question yeah. about your annoying coworker, and it is part of, it is one tiny battle on a war that is being fought as the world versus plumpkins. <laughs> and as soon as plumpkins knows the interior yeah. of plumpkins and chooses plumpkins values and picks through all those seeds and guts inside of the plumpkin, um, <laughs> plumpkin will be able to say, no, Mr. Uh, man with the uh, knife trying to carve me into Jack a plumpkin. I actually like this side of me the way that it is. And Put your knife away. Yeah. And I want to point out that, like, this is a very idealist vision, and I, which doesn't mean we shouldn't work towards it, but it is so much easier said than done. In these moments where there's someone in front of you whose feelings you f- feel like you might hurt, it is so hard to take these micro stands for yes. yourself. However, it gets what's easier with practice. It gets easier and with practice. It's worth practicing on with people that you love. Who you already have trust in. Well, I'm saying it may be easiest to somebody you already have trust to mm, practice. mm. Tell them that you want to practice setting boundaries because you have some strangers that you're trying to do this with and ask them for permission to do that. And if they love you and care about you as you think that they do, they will probably agree to that and be willing for you to say like, hey, can um, I actually use that fork instead of the fork that you gave me? And then they'll swap forks with you. And thank you for practicing setting a boundary or making a request. For me personally, I feel less threatened by making my needs known to someone who I don't have a lot of history with and I'm not risking as much by mm. endangering that relationship. Um, but that's me. So I uh, I think that 
what's important to remember about setting these boundaries is you're not doing it against him. It's not for you and against him. It's not a win lose. Yeah. If you're not enjoying the content that he's giving you, yeah. he might prefer unloading that annoying content yeah. on someone who might appreciate it. Or he might. He probably doesn't want to cause he, a response yeah, of annoyance exactly. in you. He if, doesn't want to annoy if he, you. If enough people were honest with him mm-hmm. and owned their own feelings, he might notice a pattern of, oh, I talk in a way that makes people not enjoy being around me. And I want to talk in a way that makes people enjoy me. Yeah. And you are denying him that opportunity mm-hmm. for growth by not being mm-hmm. critical of him. Mm-hmm. If you have to think of it that way to preserve your own sort of... Right. I do that. That is the truth, though. But it is. I mean, take take the age-old, I'm staying in a relationship with somebody that I don't really want to be with, but I know that they can't do better, so I feel really bad about breaking up with them. Mm -hmm. That is an aggressive move towards them. That is deciding for them that they can't do better than somebody who doesn't want to be in a relationship with them. How about you let them decide that for themselves? Because I think most people are going to choose... choose... The person who wants to be with them who is not you, even if they're that person's not as hot or makes as much money or whatever you think your value <laughs> is, sure. uh, that per- your partner deserves a chance to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. If you're in a monogamous relationship and playing by all those rules, they deserve a chance to be with somebody who actually wants to be with them. So if you're being with them out of pity... You know, think, is that and, really what that you'd want yes. in that situation? And and also for a sort of a harsh take. Yeah. Um, what is that satisfying in you mm. to stay with someone out of pity or to preserve, like Rob said earlier, preserve this idea that you're the nice person that gets along with everyone that never ruffles any feathers, that doesn't hurt someone's feelings. You're uh, protecting that aspect of your identity over something that might be more beneficial for you and them. But yes. it's like that that hesitance to um rupture that sense yes. of but this is how I've always done it and this is or this is how I was taught to do it or this is what's polite. This is what society yeah. accepts. And there's a reason that mm-hmm. society accepts that because it's mm-hmm. easier to deal with people like this, to deal with people who are kind above honest and Big people, people that make big changes, good, the, the world changers of the world, the, the people that <laughs> make things happen, the saints, are people who are willing to be assholes and to come off as an asshole to some people. At least to disrupt in, the, in the mind. Yes. You don't and have to be an like, asshole doing it. <laughs> it's, it's a willingness to, it's caring more about your values than how just any random stranger sees you. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly in a state where, as I have been for much of my life, um, yeah. primarily concerned with avoiding somebody else's negative impression of you, yeah. you're going to end up with a fairly low impression of yourself, or at least that's been my experience. 100%. And I also want to say that like, we are two people not in this situation talking to you about the situation from behind two microphones in a place where we pretty much agree with each other. And it's it's harder to be like a force of disruption when you're in it with someone who isn't going to see it that way. It doesn't see eye to eye. And and I've I've like Rob spent so much of my life also catering to trying to make everyone else feel comfortable. And there are still times when I do it. But every time I do it, I now feel the repercussions on my physical energy yep. when I don't stand up for myself. Um, here's one that I saw a meme on Facebook yeah. recently. When you stay silent to avoid conflict, Mm -hmm. you start a war within yourself. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So uh, decide which war you want to fight. 
And uh, if you love yourself, I think you want it to be the external war. And if you don't yet, then accept that. And that's the first step towards loving yourself. Um, do you have any Fuck final yeah. thoughts for plumpkins? No. Thank you for asking that question. Yeah. It was great. I, really every great. question helps us get to some like beautiful for sure. plateau of It <laughs> probably seems like a simple question. It did to me when I first read yeah. it of like, oh, no, don't tell them. Just own your feelings. And then what does that mean to own your feelings? And then what... Uh-huh. How can this issue that you're having right now be the turning point to the rest of your life? <sighs> Being a whole new person. Wow. Wow. You are at the edge of what is and what could be. <laughs> Thank you Time for asking Time to take your next step. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> what is it going to be? <laughs> Who are you going to call? <sighs> Free advice. <laughs> That's our new free advice parrot. Who you gotta call? Free advice. Free advice. All right, guys. This has been really fun. It took longer than we expected, so join us. Join us very soon for part two of Work That 